Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, hello, hi, 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 and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. I am, of course, your host, Sam Wiles, and remember, this is wide screen podcasting. This is wide screen podcasting. As always, thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. We are back again with one of our many ever-increasing side series here on the podcast, and... As I always seem to catch myself saying, this is easily one of my favourites, as it combines two of my favourite things. Dated music videos of Days Gone By and Paul McCartney. Yes, folks, we are going to be returning to the world of McCartney's music videography. And for this episode, we will specifically be looking at the era between 1989 and 1990, a.k.a. the videos to promote Flowers in the Dirt and Tripping the Live. Fantastic! It has been about 20 episodes since we've done one of these, and I, for one, am looking forward to some delightfully cheesy McCartney video content, especially since this is the last one we do before the era when I was born. Sorry to make you all feel old again, but hey, I'm feeling old myself. Of course, this is also at the height of the MTV era. Paul has recently got a new management. He's made a new headway with the press. He's really putting himself out there. He's got a comeback album, the biggest tour he's ever embarked upon, and this means he is putting out more content than ever. As always, we're going to have a delightful mix of true works of art, mediocre, that'll do, efforts, and complete disasters. Though, it will be up to me and my guests to determine which is which, as it's always quite hard to tell, actually, and that's where I do need a guest today. Um, Also, as always, I'm going to be joined by my partner in music videology, Mr. Ed Chen, from the absolutely fantabulously awesome When They Was Fab podcast. As always, Ed has an encyclopedic knowledge of this kind of thing, dating all the way back to the pre-internet era. I know, it's scary to think of such a thing existing. And so, he's an invaluable resource that I feel truly lucky to speak with as often as I do. I always enjoy shooting the shit with him on this show. And it's badass that he still routinely comes back to help me discuss this stuff. Also, go and check out our episode of Macca in Your Attic that we did together as well. As per, nothing particularly outlandish here. We're just going to have a little introductory chat before going into the songs one by one and having a little fun along the way. I hope you all enjoy it. I had a good time making it. But before we do any of that, we do have the matter of the housekeeping. Starting off, what do we have in terms of news for today? Well, at the Enemy Awards 2022, that's the New Musical Express, Paul McCartney actually won Best Book, Best Musical Book to be precise, for the tome that was Paul McCartney, the lyrics. Of course, this book deserves all the accolades it can get. It really is one of the greatest written works ever put out about Paul, and it happens to be by Paul himself, which is an extra treat. Of course, we did a very extensive episode on that. Go back and check it out if you haven't already. And go and check out the museum exhibit that's down in London of this book if you can get the chance as well. Well done, Paul. Congrats. I hope this inspires you to write some more stuff while you still can. Maybe an expanded version. You never know. Moving on, it's also been revealed that Stella McCartney 
is the force behind designing a new blue pantsuit for Minnie Mouse at Disney World. And according to Twitter and the rest of the internet, some people are apparently angry about that. Like it's somehow the defeminization of Minnie Mouse because she's having a more gender neutral outfit. I don't even think it's going to be her main outfit throughout all the parks. It's, I think it might just be for a special event or for a certain period of time. Uh, well done for Stella for getting a Disney gig. Obviously, it helps that her dad is on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> and we'll talk about that shortly as well. But yeah, if you're upset about this whole Minnie Mouse thing, go fuck yourself. Seriously, go fuck yourself. Moving on, we had the premiere of the Beatles Get Back the Rooftop concert in IMAX this week. Yes, uh, um, hopefully some of you could write in and tell me about this because I myself haven't gone. I probably won't even do a dedicated episode on it either as I've no intention of travelling miles and miles to find an IMAX screen. Uh, there were no rival podcasts. We'll be doing similar content, so go and check them out at your own peril. I know friends of the show Andrew Brooks and Roger Simon slash Simon Rogers went there. They really seemed to enjoy themselves and picked up some fun swag. I'm not saying that this is something that I wouldn't be interested in seeing, but, you know, I, I did just see it on the documentary. I've seen it several times on the documentary, actually. So, yeah, I think I'll give this particular one a pass. Though I'm more interested in the other Get Back-related news, which is the fact that the Blu-ray has been delayed. Yes, Peter Jackson's The Beatles Get Back on Disney Plus is looking like it's going to stay on Disney Plus exclusively for a little longer than we might have hoped. Originally, the eight-hour miniseries was originally set to be released on February 8th, but on a post on the Beatles' website, it now simply states... The release date of the Get Back DVD and Blu-ray has been postponed, citing a technical issue with the disc, nothing specific. Uh, this is a shame, really. I know there was a lot of you out there who had not got a Disney Plus subscription and had not bootlegged it, and so were really looking forward to this. But I'm really hoping that this delay is actually them reacting to the poor press surrounding the release, you know, the lack of the bonus materials, and that they're actually delaying it so that they can go back and put a bunch of all that extra footage on that we were all yearning for. Who knows? One can only hope. Stay tuned for more updates on that. Oh, and finally, on the day of recording, we've also seen the release of the Wildlife Half Speed Remaster. Yes, my copy came through the post today. I've been listening to it on loop non-stop. And compared to the other half-speed remasters where, you know, my tin ear really didn't pick up on any of the nuances or updates or, uh, you know, the, the fresh new sound, with this one, with Wildlife, I could definitely hear something else. Though, that might also be partly due to the fact that my original vinyl copy of Wildlife did sound like dog shit. But, you know, this half-speed remaster did actually sound better than the streaming version. I did uh, quickly listen to some of the streaming songs, and I do prefer it on this new vinyl and on my new vinyl blur that I got for Christmas. So, yeah, I might even eventually get around to doing an episode on the half-speed remasters. Hey, you know, it could even be a bonus episode of Mac It In Your Attic, you know, try and get more of you to go over and check out that thing. But anyway, yeah, the half-speed remaster of Wildlife. I've got McCartney 1, Ram and Wildlife. Got them all. It's the only collection where I've actually got all the releases so far and hopefully will continue to get all of the releases. Uh, I'm really not holding out much hope to be getting a lot of the old McCartney 
archive re-releases unless they re-release those re-releases. One can only hope again. But yeah, that's enough of the news. On to the plugs. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmccartypod at gmail.com whether you've got any opinions on any of the news, whether you want to say hi, whether you want to talk about the podcast or anything to do with Paul McCartney, whether it's music, his life, his product, anything at all, drop us an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Follow us on our Twitter page for daily updates at McCartneyPod. Check out the sister blog at paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, simply by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Of course, YouTube is the place where you can find brand new episodes of Macca in your attic. The latest episode being with Mr. Stephen Nicholson, the other half of the Trimming the Musical Fat podcast, where we go through his literal attic. He's actually in an attic in the episode. It's the first time ever, folks. It's not just a generic Beatles room or someone's lounge. This is an attic. So go and check out the very first true episode of Macca in your attic on our YouTube page. And now we talk about the stuff that you can do to help out the show. If you want to help us out in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, then please leave us a review on whatever platform you are on. Haven't had a new review in a while. I always love checking out your reviews. I know I kind of ask for them, so it's a little sycophantic. But hey, it really helps out the show, whether it's a comment, a like, a thumbs up any amount of stars, whatever it does, it boosts us up in the algorithm, it gives us that exposure, it moves us up the ranks, yada, yada, yada. You know the drill by now, folks. So if you haven't left a review for the podcast, please don't be one of those people that think other people are going to do it. Be that person. Make the change. Be the change you want to see. That kind of shtick. But if you want to help out the podcast directly, if you want to help see the show grow, if you want to help me acquire product to review, new equipment, help the show expand, get new guests on, or even just thank me for the hard work I do on this show whilst working a full-time job, you know, chucking a couple of quid my way, then please... Join our Patreon family. Of course, Patreon is the platform by which you, the public, can support independent content creators such as myself. Though it is not just a funding site, you do get your money's worth. You get instant access to the Paul or Nothing video feed, where you get access to any and all interviews that I do, as well as audio early as well. So you can basically listen to episodes or watch episodes of the show weeks in advance. You get two-day early access to episodes of the show itself in full. You get instant access to all episodes of Macca in Your Attic weeks, sometimes months in advance of their publication date. You get access to lost and bonus episodes of Paul and I think that will never be on the stream, as well as all of the scripts I use for the show. So if you enjoy Paul or Nothing, if you enjoy what I'm doing here, then please join our little family, a family comprising of the following people for whom this show would not be possible. People such as Jack, Mr. D. Dubs, Andy Cochran, Guy Jenkinson, Nancy Twoey, Richard Campbell, Christopher Newman, Mrs. P, Broderick Harper, Moti Ryber, Richard Shuley, Christian Perry, Richard Driver, Chris Atkinson, Richard Binnington, Mr. B, Teresa Breda, Stephanie Miller, Lou DiLonardo, Cheryl McCoy, Katrina S, Sam Hode, Anastasia L, Warren Butson, and Matt Phillips. Right, folks, let's just crack on with this one, because this is a really fun episode. Let's just get the hell on with it. One, two, three, go me. Right, folks, we are now live, and that means we are only moments away from going through McCartney's next lot of music videos. But before we can continue, I have to introduce my partner in crime for this venture. 
He's been with me for the last few episodes in this little music video side series, as well as being one of the latest guests on Macca in Your Attic. And I cannot imagine going forward without him. I always love his insights into these music videos. I love our rapport together. He's the creator and host of the excellent When There Was Fab podcast, as you can tell by his, his background behind him. And I'd like you to give him all the warmest of returning welcomes, ladies and germs. Mr. Ed Chen, how are we doing, my friend? Well, I can, I can applaud for myself. You well, deserve I, it. You deserve I'll it. You it. deserve it. No, uh, it's, been, it's been a while since we've done one of these. I know we've been talking about it for a while. I'm glad we're back here. Um, are, we, uh, are we still recovering from Get Back, or are we looking forward to the years of new product in 2022? Well, we're just now wandering into the year of new product. Uh, you know, Plastic Auto Band is out. We don't have a McCartney set announced, although we're all certain one's coming. Yeah, we've got uh, the half-speed remaster of Wildlife on the way as well. Very much looking forward to that. But um, it would be nice if we got maybe two McCartney archive releases this year, you know, to make up for last year as well. But well, I guess I guess we'll have to see what happens. You never know. Yeah, I, you know, what's 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 going to come? It's either going to be uh, back to the egg in um, London town, or it's going to be something from the mid to late eighties. Dare I say it? A Broad Street to nah, I reckon it's more likely to be off the ground. I've, I've just got a feeling it's going to be off 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 the ground. I don't know what it is, you know, but. Hope of Deliverance is one of his most streamed songs on Spotify. That might sway it, you know. You never, you never know. And um, he still plays it live in countries that are not the US and the UK. <laughs> he does, yeah. Uh, it's our loss. It really is. But yeah, on to music video material. And I guess um, this was all released uh, in around 1989, 1990. And there was a lot of material. And the, I want, I want more to, than we're going to talk about, as a matter oh, of fact. Oh, yeah. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to get your take on this. Did, did you think he was oversaturating the market at this time, or was he right to strike whilst the iron was hot after the tour and at the height of MTV? Well, it, it wasn't really after the tour. I mean, Flowers came before the tour, and then that all just sort of rolled into the tour. Yeah. And then, you know, the tour ended – and he did unplugged and he did a bunch of other little things. So, but for basically three years, you, anytime you turned on MTV, there was McCartney. <laughs> what a beautiful time to be alive. Wow. And, and yeah, the, absolutely. This was, this was the highlight of MTV. This was when MTV was still music television. I, I still can't believe that they've taken that off of their logo. <laughs> MTV, what does that stand for? No, it stands for MTV. Yeah. And like, this is just before, like, I think it was like 92, 93, when they first started transitioning into like reality TV and stuff like that. So he, Paul really did get in at the right time here. Um, well, I mean, he'd been, he'd been there since before MTV and he's there now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it still stuns me that we're hitting anniversaries and there's nostalgia for the early seasons of the real world. They're doing, you know, <laughs> 20-plus year reunions are, are one of the things that they're using to sell um, Paramount Plus to the world. It's like, oh, nostalgia. What a funny thing. Speaking of nostalgia, obviously, of course, this was all 
uh, widely bootlegged at first, but um, it was also put on the McCartney Years DVD release, a lot of this stuff as well. But how much of what we're going to look at today was included on the Flowers in the Dirt archive set? Most of it. Most most of it. Okay. Um, I mean... And that's the, that's the best way to officially obtain it, um, because on the McCartney Years, they cropped everything to widescreen. Oh God! Not widescreen. The biggest and most, 90s and most of these were filmed. Were intended to be viewed in four by three. So you know, it's like you lose the top and the bottom of what you see on the McCartney years on a lot of these videos. As and long as they, you, if you go say, and look at the official list, they always list those separately. You know, version version C of the My Brave Face video. Yeah, it's the one that they cropped for uh, <laughs> the McCartney years. As long as they crop out Paul's terrible fashion uh, choices from this, <laughs> from this period, I guess we'll be all right. I guess we'll be all right. Um, I like the zebra. I like the zebra suit. You know, oh, I like that stage. Costume. What is this? I mean, oh my gosh! Look at it! Look at it! There's, there's the white. There's the orange, and there's the yellow. I think there's a red one as well in there somewhere. I'm sure I've seen a red one. There must be. Yeah. And, White and, into Paul or nothing at gmail.com if, if you can. <laughs> and, and Artie Seraf of the uh, the Fab Four, he's very proud of his uh, pseudo zebra costume. No, that would be a good Halloween cost, co costume. Yeah, he, also. he has a uh, one of their side projects is what they call Wings Band, but they also do 8990 McCartney in there. Nice. I mean, they actually have a Linda. It, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, obviously, speaking of image, this was a big revamp for Paul in this period. He's got his new manager after after Press to Play. He's making a, a huge push in terms of interviews, TV appearances, um, press press junkets, and that and that kind of kind of thing. Do you like the rejuvenated McCartney, or do you kind of have a little bit of yearning for the? older more innocent presentation of paul say from before flowers uh, well i mean he was starting to get a lot more show busy i mean the 89 tour was the first time that well it was the first time that he played hey jude and that was the first time you know it's all the boys all the girls everybody sing you know, it's like, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so you know, he, he was he always had an aspect of the show busyness but this was when he was leaning hard into it. i don't mind you know uh, i do think i prefer the era before and the era after you know the uh, run devil run post run devil run but um as i was talking to our good friend scott erickson lately you know hamish and robbie were just really good players oh yeah I mean, I, I like, uh, I really do like Rusty and Brian, and, and I will put them up against them, but Hamish and Robbie were just excellent. Uh, other than some, well, the Wings guitar players were always excellent too, so. You can't no, Paul's always that. surrounded himself by uh, good good players, but um, I've always noticed though, I feel like everyone is dressed better than Paul is on stage. Like everyone else is dressed just, you know, quite demure, reserve black outfits and then you've just got Paul in the centre in this bright yellow <laughs> bright yellow zebra suit it's so funny uh, and Wix uh, had that Wix had that hat back then yeah I'd forgotten about that until it's like 
oh yeah, he used to he used to be do, do Ron Howard like and not be seen without that hat. Yeah, he's like a little pork pie guy, isn't he? It's really cute. Um, but yeah, I I quite like this uh, this era visually for Paul. I think he's still at that point whereby a lot of these music videos all have a cute twist to them or have a new special effect or, you know, he's still keeping at the forefront of tech and stuff. And we've kind of recently seen a return to that, like when he was using deep fake stuff for the uh, Find My Way Back video. Yeah. And it's it's nice to see that, you know, if there's ever a new thing, Paul's going to do it. I mean, I'm shocked we don't have a VR Paul McCartney experience yet. You know, you can put on the big goggles. We, and We, we, we do. We oh. do. It's not the, he had done "Live and Let Die" uh, in VR for uh, the Oculus. Oh and my gosh! Oh, it's, I, I... it's it's no longer available, but it, he did it, and he did those uh, what six video six uh, clips where he's talking about the videos and play plays them. That was uh, for the Oculus. The, the company that produced them is no longer available. They don't exist anymore. They got bought out by somebody. But the the clips are out there, and, and you can sort of sort of see what it looks like in three D if you don't have an Oculus by manipulating the arrow keys uh, on your keyboard, so you can see everything that was oh, filmed. For I'm the just clip. I'm just looking at it now. There was a Dance Tonight VR. There was an Early Days VR. Seems like a lot of new stuff was doing. And, and, and coming VR up, well. and a coming up VR. There were like six of them. I think it was those were what Pure McCartney things pure mccartney oh my gosh i can't believe it. see my uh one of my best friends has just got an, an oculus and it's blown me away it's the future Ed. it really is and like if you could if if, if 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 they can somehow get me to shea stadium through a vr oculus set i'll be very happy so i can just scream in my lounge pretend that yeah, I'm there. Shea, would, shea would be hard but you know i was talking to john about this in one of our recent get back shows we've got enough footage that they could do it for get back Mm -hmm. They can reasonably create at least the rooftop. They can certainly reasonably recreate that. Yeah. Or I mean, even if it's just like you know, like the Beatles rock band, where you just have those cartoonish models. Even if it was just that, I'd be I'd, I'd be pretty happy just to uh, at least to be able to explore the the environment and just just scan the Apple offices and let me walk up and down, or or be <laughs> down there on the street and actually talk to those people, the little old lady or the uh, the guy who doesn't like the Beatles. On the street. Maybe you could play as Mal Evans and you have to delay the police as long as possible. <laughs> I'll go. just go ask them. I'll just go ask them. One, 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 one moment. And then just stand there having a cigarette for 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Let us move on to the first of today's videos then. And we are going to enter the vibrant world of Flowers in the Dirt era McCartney releases, starting with My Brave Face, directed by Roger Lunn.
Folks, if you ever wanted proof that Paul can be a little bit of a bitter lemon, look no further than this music video, because the whole thing is basically one big rant pointed squarely at uber collector culture. Uh, the video starts with a collector declaring that he has an all-consuming passion for collecting Beatles, Wings and McCartney memorabilia, meaning he'd be a great guest for Mac in your attic, actually. <laughs> and uh, he says he's going to show us his latest acquisition. He puts in the videotape. It's the video for My Brave Face. Very nice. The rest of the video is footage of Paul and his new band playing the song at an abandoned school in North London, which is intercut with the collector breaking into a building to steal Paul's Hoffner bass guitar. And this culminates in him showing off all of his stolen goods before the authorities come and arrest him at the end. Right, Ed, before I go on and rant about this one, what are your thoughts on the video for My Brave, My Brave, My Brave? Well, this is always what Paul does. If he wants to remind people, hey, I was a Beatle, he will throw out a video which includes clips of the others, you know, uh, including the Dezo Hoffman stuff in there. I guess it was kind of rare at the time, but collectors had access to it. You know, the, the Western the Western Supermare and on the go-karts. I mean, it was in the, you know, they were parodying it in the Ruddles for goodness sake. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, that wasn't that rare. Um, we now know that that pepper suit was not the real pepper suit. Wasn't it? Oh, my gosh, that's funny. He had a, he had a duplicate made, and, and that's the one. Yeah, no, he didn't want anybody touching the real pepper suit. <laughs> yeah, we see a load of, well, or at least a load of things are referenced. Um, there's there's the pepper suit. There's, um, what was it, like um, a, 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 a postcard as well? A postcard, yeah. And... Um, uh, the, the bass as well. Uh, uh, we see a page from the screenplay for A Hard Day's Night. There's a black leather jacket. I'm guessing that it's alluded that it might be one from Hamburg or something like that. But yeah, this is a very nostalgic-based episode. Uh, all of that footage as well, like you say. It's like when George kind of did the same thing for uh, all, all those years ago. Or um, Paul and the Band on the Run video. Yeah, the Band uh, on the Run video I, as well. Yeah. You know, one of one of the band on the run videos, which was just nothing but "Hey, I was a Beatle." That's that 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 was literally it. Um, for what it's worth, though, I think this is a pretty charming video. I'm always a sucker for something that's self-aware and meta, and it's a fun little story with lots of references to, to keep you coming back and make sure you've caught them all at least before the age of the internet, when you could just pause. Um, and you know, seeing Paul with his new band is pretty special at this point. They do look like they really are enjoying themselves. But Lumpy uh, Trousers, Lumpy Trousers was the name that they had come up for themselves, which I still like. Yeah, <laughs> forgot about that. That is funny. Um, do you think Paul's having a bit of a dig at collectors here? Then is he is he you know upset with the casual fans, or is he more just upset with people who steal his stuff? Well, there's certainly some of that, and he's never gotten over the fact that uh, his 61 cavern base got stolen. Uh, and now we know it wasn't actually during Get Back that it got stolen, that, that it made it through Get Back and it made it into the, the, uh, the giant warehouse of Beatle Instruments, and that was when it got stolen, was between then and Abbey Road. Now, uh, I mean, he even directly calls out uh, Soothbees or Sotheby's, Yep. Um, is that an, a case of 
alleged or is that documented that they were selling stuff that he was upset with? Uh, no, that's that's pretty real. Yeah, he there's a lot of stuff that he did not feel should have gone up for auction that did. I mean, that all ties into some of his hard feelings with uh, his uh, mother-in-law. Uh, you know, Jim, Jim's, Jim's second wife and, you know, Ruth McCartney. Uh, well, and they either have or have not made up. We don't know that just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there were stories that she even sold his original birth certificate at one time. Oh my God, that's, that's pretty mad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the other thing right around this time was Ringo was on Saturday Night Live. And you remember that opening skit where... <laughs> Uh, which was set in at a Sotheby's and uh, Sotheby's style auction. And, you know, it's the, it's the toothbrush that Paul used during the recording of I'm looking through you. And it even has the little rubber tip. Did Paul actually use the little rubber tip? It is our belief that he actually used the little rubber tip. <laughs> and and, and then, then the punchline was the, the final item for auction was Ringo. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> An actual so so they, so they rolled out, you know, peace peace and love with the beard, and and he's in he's in a sixty four suit, and it's like he comes with all of the original fingers, <laughs> uh, with all with all the blisters as well. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. So so anyway, yeah, that's kind of where the Beatles were with the auction houses at the time. They more or less made up. Uh, with those folks, but still not completely. McCartney is still angry with them on occasion. It's funny though that like he showed things like the pepper suit and a Hofner base, because like most of those items are going to totally be without the you know beyond the reach of the average collector. You know what he should have done is just shown alternate variants of the Uea Soleil release. You know like, <laughs> that's what I that's what I can get. You know, um, or 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 he'll, he'll dive into the future. It's like. Here's what I'm going to do in 25 years. I'm going to make you buy every color of this damn album. Yeah. Like, it would be great if you paused it at the right second. You could see, like, uh, Flowers in the Dirt, Violet, or Splatter Edition. You know? <laughs> My gosh. It was cool that, obviously, that the Hoffner was referenced in this, though, because, obviously, Elvis Costello, during these sessions, made him get the old Hoffner back out and play it. So, you know, it does, it does link. Um, speaking of Costello, though, uh, he, there's about two seconds of screen time, which very very brief shot of Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at least they did reference him, but it does feel like he was almost made to include him, and he was like, "Right, well, what's the bare minimum I can do to to feature this guy? We're, we're not on good terms at the moment." Uh, Although yeah. they, they got they came around as well. Elvis gets his due in the box, so. Yeah, oh, yeah, he does. Uh, we get the we get the full demo uh, tape, and that is really cool. Uh, the all the various versions of My Brave Face through the years. It would be really nice if we actually did another video with one of those. Although you know the time for that seems to have passed, I guess. Unless you're George Harrison, who's going to put out uh, My Sweet Lord video six months after the fact. Yes, no, that was that was interesting. That was I was I was like I was I was quite enjoyed to see that. Um, there's like a what is life video that came out a couple of years ago for him as well it's like where's that come from this one though the my brave face video he actually earned a nomination for best video at the 1990 brit awards and lost out to lullaby by the cure which i checked out and yeah that was a, a that was robbed from paul there it's it's it, that, that that video has not aged nearly as well 
Uh, as you mentioned earlier, this has a widescreen variant on the McCartney Years DVD, and on all the websites that like list the multiple versions of stuff, apparently the French, Spanish, German, and Italian versions all count as separate uh, editions of this video. And there's well, also they, they do because the subtitles are burned into the screen. So you know it is. It's like Harrison got my mind on you clip. We're, we're going to edit it just this much and call that a different version because, well, I guess it really and truly is. We're taking the six frames out of the center here. <laughs> and then um, there was another one called The Making of the Promo Promo. And it's like- Yeah, that's, that's the other promo. Before we leave the, the prime promo, you've got to love the closing shot. You know, the CCTV cut turns around and then the chair turns around and there's McCartney in his, in his godfather pose. Yes. <laughs> so you, you've 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 come to me on the day of Stella's wedding, and you still <laughs> and you still my half the bass. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you an album. You can't you can't refuse. <laughs> yeah. So so okay, yeah. The, uh, version two, which is the making of the video video, which is some behind the scenes footage from the making of the original video, but it's it's something else that he has. Uh, been doing for a while now it's like okay uh, if we're gonna have any sort of pseudo performance clip in there we're gonna film all the behind the scenes stuff and put that out later when people have gotten rid of got gotten to the point that they're bored with the original video yeah now um there's 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 so much behind the scenes stuff that 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 he's done over the years and you'd like to think it has like really uh illuminating insights or really fun stories and it's mostly just b-roll Mostly just B-roll, like Paul well, Stubbs. Although they, you know, they do. Uh, I think a lot of those sort of pulled faces and things are are things they actually insert shots that they specifically did for this version of the clip. So I mean, you know, they, they probably the band probably came in for a day. They rehearsed in the morning. It's like, well, what do we do in the afternoon? I know. Let's film some insert shots because we're going to make a B version of the My Brave Face clip. People don't want to see this Japanese guy, and people have already seen the. Dezo Hoffman footage six million times. We'll give them something else. It's funny though, like, the, for like from this era onwards, not only do we have loads of variations of the albums, of the singles, of the formats, so many variations on these on these videos as well. I mean, is it is it like a lack of certainty or is it just hey, let's just keep making content? You know, if if MTV keeps playing all of these. Let's 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 uh, keep them happy. I guess um, exactly that, and uh, the fact that I mean he was going on tour, so it's like, well, you know, let's let's give him something new. You know, I'm I'm going to be on this week with Kurt Loder, so you know, sure, well, we can call it a world premiere video. Yeah, and like I guess, well, I mean, he did the Get Back film uh, around around this time as well, but uh, I guess maybe he didn't want to do like what he did with rock show and like, you know, have all this footage be released long after it's relevant, you know, um, and, you know, it's a lot more instant and it does make up for the fact that some people couldn't see the, the, uh, the tour as well. It's a, it's a nice consolation prize, I guess. Um, next up though, we're going to move on to a music video that would, would even make George Harrison blush. This is variation one of this one, directed by Tim Pope. Did I ever take you in my arms, look you in the eye, tell you that I do? Did I ever open up my heart, let you look inside? 
This was filmed at the Albert Wharf Studios in London and it opens with this blurry shot coming into focus with Paul sat in front of a swan with a garland on its back at the front cover for the single and zoom ins to his face with, and then it's him and Linda sat in this uh, Indian locale and then there's some finger puppets. Then we fade to black and we cut to Paul in makeup as he opens up a door to, to present himself again there's, there's no plot to this at all. And then uh, there's the swan and he's uh, and he's holding a crystal ball. Then there's this psychedelic montage sequence of people dancing in traditional Indian garb and the band in these white outfits doing silly hijinks. And then there's more of the flying swan. We cut back to Paul and Linda sitting cross-legged with the rest of them behind, all in Indian garb again. With Paul and Linda doing some kind of... Organized little mine, yeah. A guy running up on his back, and very strange little uh, bit of sign language there. But it's certainly very interesting. There's a lot to break down and discuss with this video, Ed. So uh, I'll let you take the floor. How does version one of this one rub off on you? Well, you're you're omitting my favorite part: the painted eyes over their eyelids. I, so I, wanted, I wanted to touch on that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you see them with their real eyes looking, and then they close their eyes, and there are these giant eyes, these sort of anime eyes, painted over their eyelids. Yeah, um, there's quite a lot of unintentionally creepy imagery throughout this throughout this video. Like, I, I find it's quite nightmarish that uh, those those large eye sequences, and they almost seem to chop out a couple of frames as well. So like, there's quite yes. jerky movement. And then there's that shot of Paul with the makeup on doing a little dance from inside the heart-shaped door. And it was like something from a race ahead. It was really, really scary. Just like, you know, like... It had a very Twin Peaks feel to it. <laughs> an Indian Twin Peaks feel to Indian it. Indian Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's literally it. And then at the, at, at the end, when you get the rest of the band in the weird eye makeup, again with the low frame rate thing, with the addition of flashing strobe lights, it's like, what is this fever dream going on right now there's two videos here there's the indian stuff and then the creepy makeup stuff and they try to connect it doesn't quite work but i mean what i have to commend this video for is going balls to the walls with concept imagination eye-catching imagery and a crazy 80s cocaine inspired like <laughs> production value like you know, like Shall we do this? Yeah, let's do it. Like, that is the whole video here. And some of the videos we're going to talk about later probably suffer from a lack of ideas or only one idea. Whereas this one, see what I did there, um, somewhat suffers from too many ideas. I think there's too many cooks spoiling the broth here. I think if they'd stuck with one of these ideas, it might have worked out a little bit better. Like, 
I love the shadow puppet sequence. I love the variety of imagery. I love the sets. The costumes are great. It's bright. It's colourful, but it is all over the place. You know. Yeah. It, no, he definitely didn't know where he wanted to go with it. Where he wanted to go with it was cocaine and acid. Yeah. It it feels like you know like Woody Allen where like he'll just shoot loads and loads of footage and then he'll figure it out in the edit. It feels like there was no hard cut script for this and they just shot a bunch of stuff and then the editor and the and the director are like, right, what can we do with this footage? And you know what they do do is pretty commendable. Um, you know, but this is one of the few instances in the McCartney videography where I'd like them to dial it back a bit. Uh, it's a little bit too much. And look, I, I know better, it could have been the when we was fab video. Yeah. Uh, by Godly and cream. Like what, you know, yeah. great video. And there, there's enough, there's enough bits in there that you can see how it could have been a really great video. And you know, it's not a bad video. I mean, I think I like it a little bit more than you do, but it's just not there. No, there's just a certain je ne sais quoi missing. Um, I think a big problem with it as well is that middle-aged people sitting down for half of the video does not make the most <laughs> engaging music video. Like, it's just Paula Linda going, like, well, for, for, for people who are yeah. listening, I'm just doing silly things with my yeah. hands. Um, like, also, speaking of creepy imagery, did you notice that... Linda's eyes and mouth look superimposed yes. on her face. What's with that? Like, I, I thought that was an artifact of the of the you know artificial the slow down frame rate. Uh, the other thing I'd like to say is, you know, I think that almost the Find My Way video that we were talking about, the Beck version, is almost uh, an attempt to with this, you know, uh, forty years later because a lot of the same concepts find their way into there, you know, running through the different doors and dancing and having all sorts of various weird things happen. Yeah, it's definitely along the lines of, you know, when Paul's talking about that quote, you know, you go through one door and you, you go from your world into our world, that kind of thing. It does have that kind of vibe and it is very McCartney-esque from start to finish. <laughs> you know, like when they're doing the little hand gestures, though, it reminds you of, you know, the wings symbol. Yeah. Like, I feel like the look, Paul, stop trying to make your hand signals happen. It's just not going to happen. I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, the real question with like your wacky Mac of thumbs aloft, and you will be that for the rest of your life. That's the only hand gesture we will associate you with. Oh, well, that, 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 and this thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, for people who are listening, we're both using our middle finger to scratch our nose and swear at a journalist who irritates us. Um, but the main question with this video, Ed, do you think Paul's use of Indian imagery in this video is justified? And by extension, does George Harrison have the monopoly on the use of Indian imagery in his work? No, George doesn't have monopoly. I mean, you know, you, you, Paul would be quoting Maharishi throughout the, you know, to this day. I mean, look at Cosmically Conscious. There mm. you go. I think... Paul probably did take it a little bit too far, but it's what he says is, uh, well, uh, well, I I I realize that this one and the swan, gee, that's the same thing. Of course, the, he would also do that again with the uh, uh, on eggshell seas uh, and uh, in the bi next uh, biker like a Nikon as well. Yeah, he was he was all about the puns in this in this era. 
Well, he, he was, you know, he was leaning hard into the dad thing. <laughs> Paul McCartney dad joke, yeah. You know, he, you, you could see that he was just sitting there. Uh, what can I do to amuse James? I feel like though people think that just because Paul was the one who left the ashram in 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 India first, that he has like quote unquote the least respect for everything to do with India, but. You know, if you even if you watch Get Back, he's the one who's viewing the uh, the, the home movies from oh, that movie. era. Yeah. Uh, you know, George certainly was kept the most to it. Um, Paul was actually second. In, I mean, he went back for the uh, the David Lynch thing. You know, he yeah. was kind of the the co the co sponsor of that, along with Lynch and and then you know Ringo, of course. Ringo will, will do whatever he wants to do spiritually. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a, I'm into TM, I'm into whatever, you know, I want people to just relax and Peace enjoy themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then John, well, John was just looking for a daddy. I mean, he admits that. Now, uh, I know one person who hates the use of uh, Indian imagery in this music video, and that's one, Jeffrey Giuliano. Uh, I posted an image We're of the front. Con- there. They're no. not going there. I posted an image of uh, the this one 12 inch uh, on my Facebook page, and he went on this like epic rant about how none of us understand Krishna and how profane all of this imagery is, and yada yada yada. Jeffrey, never change, my friend. Never shut, change. Shut up, shut up, Ronald. <laughs> We're never going to forget that you spent the first part of your career in a red wig selling hamburger. Oh, uh, it's 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 insane that he went from Ronald McDonald to Beatles author to Squid Game. It's there's no logic in that in that career progression whatsoever. Yeah, I mean the, the uh, he's he's the real version of the guy from Billions. You know, he genuinely tried to make people sympathetic for him because of nine eleven when he was like miles and miles away. Like, oh my gosh, we need to talk about that off air. I'll be I'll be interested to uh, discuss that. Um, back to variation one of this one. Uh, there's also a, a further variation of this, which was widescreen on the McCartney years, DUED. And we're going to go from version one to the first major variation here today, which is the second version of this one, directed by Dean Chamberlain. What opportunities did we allow to flow by feeling like the timing wasn't As we're going to see in this period, there's lots of variations on the videos as well as the music. And this was filmed in a barn at Paul's home in Sussex. And it's basically a music video of the promotional images that I knew from around this period. Um, it opens with a kaleidoscopic montage. 
and then you get the band all in suits and the band all of these comical 18th century costumes which to anyone who knows the promotional uh, imagery from around 89 to 90 those looks should be very familiar to you but, revolutionary war type thing yeah the yeah, tripod, the tripod hats. I, I wonder if they were the ones left over from the Wings Over America tour. You know, they, they, they always, <laughs> Jenny, Jenny and Paul always knock those out for let them in. They love a good tri corner, and uh, again, like all of the uh, music videos of this period, this one's built around a new camera trick and a bunch of special effects that lead to this very psychedelic experience without it being corny or derivative, and essentially, it's kind of stop motion like film is 24 frames per second and we mentioned chopping out some frames from the first this one video but this is even more so it's probably about 10 12 frames a second here it's very jerky but it's not stop start it's it's very otherworldly and very dream like almost like it's from like the off the ground kind of era and then you've got the delay with long exposure, which is kind of like the Once Upon a Long Ago video with all the lights and stuff going across the screen. Like Chris Whitten's drums are almost like sparklers um, from um, Bonfire Night, that kind of thing. It's a very interesting video. Um, I think I like this one probably more than the first one. Uh, you know, this one's a little on the cheap side. It's a little you know, cheap and cheerful, but I think it's a bit more engaging and creative and it's just got this ethereal, heavenly look to it that really did quite charm me. And it's a lot less on the nose than, than the first one. It's just a music video that's fun for the, for the sake of it. You get this great shot of Hamish Stewart ducking in and out, doing the backing vocals, like this one, this one, you know, this gliding above the ocean. It, it, that's really funny. Um, and there's even a cameo of, of Bill Black's bass guitar in this, which... Oh my gosh, how many more times do I have to see that bloody upright bass guitar in? <laughs> yeah, this is this is a great clip. It, it, unfortunately, it makes me just slightly nauseous to watch. <laughs> the stop motion thing you just was like, oh, okay, got to concentrate. But uh, yeah, the, the costumes are really great and really fun. I almost wish they'd done something else with them. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe like an Eleanor's Dream type thing. Type thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and the the guys all in the suits and bowler hats. And Linda has I don't know what they've done to Linda's hair. Is it, whether they piled it up and she has a, just a short wig on, or you know, it's the color is right, but it's you know, it's not her hair. And you see her with long hair and in the same outfit in the same set of shots. So it's not like they cut it. No, uh, Linda in a suit. I, I quite like that. I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's it's a bit Annie Lennoxy, you know. A little bit. Really enjoyed it. It's Again, actually a very very contemporary sort of gender non-binary image. No, um, I mean, I mean, she's still clearly a woman, but uh, you know what I'm saying. I know, no, no. Like Linda's got a wonderful androgyny in in some of her looks, and like um, her in the suit with Paul, that kind of reminds me of the uh, Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey kind of look yeah, from I'm the James Paul McCartney. Yeah, there was definite shade, shades of that, and of course the tricorder eighteenth century stuff, Revolutionary War stuff. I did get an Eleanor's uh, dream vibe, but it would have been nice if that you're right if they'd have just done something with it even if it's just them like marching across a field you know doing you yeah, know again the, the letterman thing from what they did in 
the Letterman thing from what they did on Wings Over America. Yeah, or maybe they just did that that uh, that skit from Conan where they do old timey baseball. That could have been funny. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I like this clip. Um, is I think I prefer the other one just because, uh, as I say, this one lends me. You know, I think I go a little bit into that. The, the strobe effect just affects me a little bit. No, that's interesting. Um, maybe uh, it needs one of those little warnings in the bottom right-hand corner. Yeah, it probably does. But, do you think uh, there's any inherent meaning to this music video, or do you reckon it's just one of those fun ones for the sake of having a good time? No, absolutely not. This is clearly, <laughs> uh, well, what do we got? Or what can we do? Actually, I think probably what happened is during one of the early shoots, you know, they just took a bunch of frames and they were looking at the contact sheet and it's like, oh, well, you know, we know we can put these all together and it will sort of look like it's, it's smooth motion, especially if we put a little bit of animation in between there. And then mm -hmm. it's like, okay, that works. And then, then they said, well, why don't we just do a whole video like that? You know that what? would be my guess. You're so right there. It's almost like they were meant to do a photo shoot that day and then things got out of hand. <laughs> Oh, no, um, I will say I probably preferred this one to the original this one. I think those special effects are very effective and there's so many of them blended together to kind of create just this very surreal experience that I think is way more fun than generic psychedelic stuff, except for that kind of one kaleidoscope effect at the start. That was a bit derivative, but... Uh, it's just fun. It's it, it just it just brought joy to me as I was watching it, and I'd never just I'd never seen it before researching this episode, and that was a nice find for me. But one that I had seen before, and one that I think both of us are excited to talk about, uh, is the video directed by David Lodge for Ue the Sole. I can gather, Ed, this music video was inspired by Paul watching his son James play Nintendo, and the result, depending on your point of view, is either going to be a cringeworthy attempt to stay current or a charming attempt at involving new media in his work. The video starts rather fittingly with the image of the sun, the same sun from the artwork of the 12-inch uh, disc sleeve, for a UFO comes down and beams down a little 16-bit cartoon character and we follow him across Aztec and Mexican landscapes as well as an underwater realm like all video games have, all whilst Paul is in the background singing the mantra-like lyrics to the song. And there are a couple of cutaways, and I will talk about them 
in a moment. Giant, but yeah, his giant face pops up in the background. Again, it's a very video game kind of thing. It's like, oh, well, okay, now we're to this bonus level, and something happens while you're while you're trying to play your game. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people out there would probably prefer the little sprite character to be Paul himself, and it was a Paul McCartney-themed game. Maybe he has to like jump on Alan Klein's head or something, or he has to find the tapes, that kind of thing. But I like the idea of Paul being the kind of... You know, like how you get in a video game where there's a character who helps you through the tutorial level, like push yeah. left to go left and press X to jump. Paul kind of feels like that, the, 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 the helper character throughout the game. And then right at the very end, he's the guy that congratulates you on the, on the high score as well. And, you know, look, as a guy who's watching this in 2022, it has a distinctly nostalgic feel to it. You know, it's it's video games that don't exist anymore. Maybe it was a bit cornier back in the day, but now it just feels really quite charming and really fun. Uh, that kind of 8-bit or 16-bit aesthetic. The side scroller is... Yeah, it's just jumping on different platforms, walking uh, left to right. That's it. It's not... It's not Call of Duty where you have to massacre the population of a small Afghani village. It's just a simple, pure video game. Um, the, Mario, the Mario games would probably be the closest uh, analog, you know, where Mario runs around and, and jumps on the turtles and has to jump up onto levels and, and catch the gold and all that sort yeah. of thing. I mean, it wouldn't be Paul's last dabbling with video games. Obviously, he would appear as a playable character in the Beatles Rock Band in 2009, an episode I need to do soon. I do need to do a Beatles Rock Band episode. But he also recorded Hope for the Future, a song that I'm not looking forward to talking about at all for the game <laughs> Destiny in 2014. Three um, different versions of it, as I remember. And like that that one quote where it's like, I was just thinking about like all these people fighting the aliens and how they need hope for the future. So I wrote hope for the future and I'm like oh Paul come on you've got there must be a better story than that did you really whack this one out in half an hour um well and, and as you as you know there was a Broad Street game yes uh, the angry video game uh, there's an episode on it and uh, okay yeah the the <laughs> one of, one of the least uh, one of the least considered video games ever made certainly one of the worst tie-in video games even worse than E.T. falling into a hole is... No, it's not worse than E.T. It's you're, not worse you're, than you're, E.T. You're Paul McCarty driving around uh, London, I guess. Collecting well, notes, like, yeah, for a song. Cheesy, cheesy, cheesy 8-bit version of Band on the Run plays. Band on the Run! It's Broad Street. You could have at least gone for No More Lonely Nights. <laughs> do, 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 do. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and of course, I have nostalgia for that ship tune. Thank you very much. The worst Eight part minutes. about that game, though, is that Band on the Run's not even in the soundtrack for the film. So um, <laughs> it makes even less sense. But we've also got a couple of cutaways in this video, weirdly. Um, we've got, well, the band is superimposed over this, but we've got some footage of an African tribal dance intercut with people dancing at a club. And then we've also got the bit in the song where there's some soaring of wood, it cuts to Linda uh, doing a kind of magician soaring the body in half trick and all of the band have their head in the same hole, like through a quick cuts. And they're very disjointed. They do take me out of the video somewhat. I think you'd be better off without them. Just have Paul and, you know, the video game stuff. 
maybe he wanted to include the rest of the band because that, that seems to be a theme with a lot of these videos to be a little more inclusive, but I would, I, I would well, rather... I think Linda, Linda demanded she get at least a, a, a one shot in this video. It's like, Paul, you're not doing this video without me. Okay, well. I don't know, I feel like uh, this song is the kind of hypnotic droning trance track that would benefit from a a slower, less quick cut style of video and just watching them go around the levels. But that's just me. It's still very effective for what it is. And it's it's just a product of the time, really. It wouldn't happen if, if, if they did it now. What's also nice is that obviously the player at the end of the video wins. So, you know, no one loses, no one dies. Uh, especially when you consider that spiritually, young James is probably technically the one playing the game that you're watching on screen as well. Once again, there was a digital remastering variation done in widescreen for the McCartney Years DVD set, but that's about it for USLA. It had about 20 different variations on hard format, but only one music video. Although the version that's on YouTube actually has the VH1 uh, like little details and like, you know name and artist in the bottom. So it was actually played on TV, folks. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that you got to remember about a lot of these clips is a lot of them weren't played on TV at the time or were played very late into the evening. But VH, both VH1 and MTV through the 90s, whenever Paul was doing something, would have a Paul McCartney weekend. And then nice. when they did that, they would pull out every video in their archives that they could play. And, you know, <laughs> this would be one of them. I'm sure that's where that came from, would, would be like when Paul did the flaming pie the live thing from london you know they had six hours of mccartney videos before and six hours of mccartney videos after it and so it's like okay we're gonna play everyone that, that is available to us here's your one chance to watch the video for stranglehold we ain't playing it again you know. <laughs> exactly uh the have you ever seen the uh the monty python exploding sheep skit no exploding uh, sheep the, the reason i mentioned this is so you got John Cleese, they're talking about sending sheep up into space for some reason, and it's all or mostly in mock French. Uh, and John Cleese just goes, Ouais, and then something else, and then Don La Tête. It's like, Oh my gosh. I know that from somewhere. Because <laughs> they're, they're talking about, you know, sending, send, how, how are we going to send the sheep up in, how are we going to put booster rockets on the sheep and send it up into space? And it's like, you know, we want it to go up into the sky, and how are we going to do this? Well, we're, we're going to use our heads, and it's like, gee, I wonder if that actually inspired Paul, if Paul may have seen that when he was <laughs> writing these lyrics. Or, I mean, you know, it's not that uncommon a phrase, use your head, but still. Oh, uh, it's... You know, the first time I saw it after this song came out, it's like, ah, ah, ah! No, I was, I was listening to um, B-sides from Off the Ground, and I think it's, I can't imagine there are these, whoa, whoa, uh, chants at the end. I was like, yeah. where have I heard that? And they're from the Deliverance DJ mix by um, Chris Anderson. I was like, oh, they're literally taking from from there. Uh, that was that was a nice little pull for me as well. Overall, though, Where's Soleil? I think it's another quality video. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, really it's enjoyed fun. It. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not as good as the My Brave Face video, but, you know, it's, I'm glad that he did it. <laughs> Speaking of another video that I'm glad he did, we're going to come on to figure of eight. 
And this is the first of the quote-unquote live music videos from this era. Um, of course, Paul hadn't really toured up until the late 80s, so we hadn't had much footage like this for the best part of a decade. So uh, I'm not going to go into detail with every single frame because, you know, it's just live footage. Uh, it's got a very energetic editing style, a wide variety of shots, nice splash of colour in there. There's some black and white shots also. Some incredible light displays and... Expectedly, the music video focuses on Paul, but you do get a nice couple of shots of the rest of the band, and you know, it's just them doing the opening song to their killer set list. Uh, do you, did you enjoy the first of these live music videos, Ed? Well, it was it was a big deal at the time. Well, well, first off, I kind of wish Paul would open with them uh, with a contemporary song these days. You know, people don't like it, but you know. Uh, it was a surprise to everybody when he came back on this tour and opened with Figure of Eight, but it was a, a good idea. And it was a good song to open with. You know, it was, it was a fair to middling album track, but he put so much more energy into it live. Mm-hmm. And, and the crowd, I mean, they're going to cheer anything when he's first up there on the stage, so take advantage of it. Yeah, like the, uh, the single mix for this uh, song is just incredible compared to the album version. And I'm so glad that a, it's longer, B, it's, it's quicker. It's just it's more of a proper rock song than an adult contemporary track kind of buried in the second half of the album. In terms of the video, though, it makes sense. If you're going to embark on this, arguably one of the biggest tours ever at the time, of course you're going to utilise that imagery and that energy as part of a video. It's, it's, it's relatively cheap as well. You do two in one, you do the concert, and you get the video. The, you yeah, do get... On, like, Halloween of that year. 1989 was when they filmed that. Oh, very interesting. Oh. It's a shame they don't all have pumpkin heads on or <laughs> silly Halloween costumes. But um, there's a lot of... Uh, so if you go all the way back to, say, uh, the High 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 video where they look like they're performing uh, for someone, but it's actually just like an empty room, but it's so they can get all the close-ups you need. And there is a big distinction here between the actual live footage and the close-ups. It's very clearly obvious that they filmed all the close-ups with miming just before they actually did the whole thing, and then you do the actual song proper. It is fun to kind of guess which is which. Like, if they're sweating and Paul's got his coat off, it's live. If he's got his coat on, it's still all the uh, pre-footage. There's also a lot of camera on the rail stuff that's now being used in this. And you can tell the director loves using it. Like almost every other shot is just. (laughs) And the camera behind Chris Witten, they didn't, these days they probably would have inserted a digital crowd. Well, they didn't have that technology back then. So, you know, you you can, when all the shots from behind the band, you can see that the seats are basically empty. Yeah, like it, 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 probably, it was probably recorded even before the uh, mic check. So, uh, yeah, not not the greatest effects. You can see through the cracks ever so slightly. I was getting a little bit of anxiety at the start of this video, though, because I could see the yellow shirt peeking out from under Paul's coat. And I was like, OK, just don't cut to a wide shot a bit. And then 10 seconds later, you see it in all of its glory. There it, there it is for everyone. Uh, although Linda is actually 
not dressed in something ridiculous whilst on stage for once, which is certainly something I appreciated, at least, you know, compared to the Wings days when she had that big, like, feather, black feather thing going on for the rock show concert. I was like, what was that? But yeah, this is a pretty good second place for those who couldn't get to the actual tour itself. Um, there were also a couple of variations of this video. There was the widescreen version again. There was another one, simply known as, as the short version, which is about three minutes and 10 seconds, which is probably to appease music video channels that they want to run a five minute video. Though apparently there was another version of the video as well that was recorded during the Rotterdam performance in the Netherlands. I haven't seen that one, but uh, it's a different location. There was another camera. And what is interesting about that uh, variant is that the audio from that performance would go onto the Tribune Live Fantastic album. So uh, there's a lot of stuff being made at the same time here. Like you've got Flowers in the Dirt, the, the concert, Tribune Live Fantastic. They're all kind of bleeding into one another here, along with all of these music videos as well. It's probably one of Paul's busiest times ever as an artist. But um, yeah, it's pretty good. It's mostly just shots of the band. Uh, not a lot of, well, I don't think there's any crowd shots, really. Uh, it does feel kind of distance like there, that. There are a handful, uh, you know, the, there were a handful of pickup shots that they did during the live show. You see uh, audience with signs and things. Yeah, but nothing will ever come close to that that sh that video of him doing All My Loving and that man crying, you know, he's going like, <sighs> like that. Like, that's the best audience reaction shot ever. Nothing off the top of that. Nothing off the top of that. And there's a and there's there's that one close up of a girl in a, like a leather Madonna style bustier, and it's like two Who's seconds of it. It's like well, exactly what? Why did they cut to her? And it's like oh yeah, this is this is an '80s era McCartney live video. Get back anyone, uh, even uh, the live in New York City video. I think Paul tells his directors. Find all the busty, scantily clad women and get some quick shots of them, and we'll decide which ones we want to put in because yeah. there are always a handful of them there. Do you, do, you, do you want to come backstage when Slender's gone to bed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that 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 one, you know, you're watching, and that took me right out. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Let's just see who is this Andy Morahan who did this. Uh, British music video film director. Okay, what's what's his pedigree? What do we got here? Oh, uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and Last Christmas by Wham. Uh, yeah, okay, he's he's done quite a lot, actually. Uh, <laughs> Tina Turner, Banana Rama. <laughs> Aha. George Michael again. Van Halen. Spando Ballet. Oh, my gosh, this guy's actually done quite a lot. Brian Adams. Oh, he did November Rain by Guns N' Roses. That's a fucking music video. Uh, wow, he's still working today. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, he did Don't Stop Moving by S Club 7. <laughs> now we're talking. And he even did a music video for Meatloaf in 2010. R.I.P. Meatloaf. Right, folks. On to the first music video that I didn't know existed. Um uh, fortunately, there are many websites that collate all of these music videos together and tell you what exists. You know, these are people like Ed back in the day who just had to figure this shit out for themselves and find hard copies and 
I mean, I don't even know how they found all these variations back back then, let alone now. But yeah, let's move on to the dank, dark corner of YouTube, which uh, was a video for the bonus track Party Party, directed by Peter Brooks, with original footage by Jeff Wanfor. Party Party is. It's quite still quite an, an obscure track. Uh, it was one of those songs that was released exclusively with Japanese tour edition of Flowers in the Dirt. And the whole video is a very interesting mashup of animated and live action, but more so in the style of like child doodling or like, you know, when they scribble on the back of their pencil case or a newspaper. And it's this frenetic series of animated scribbles of rockets, people kissing submarines, all that kind of silliness which is intercut with footage of Paul and the band jamming in the studio, with a few select shots of doodles drawn on top of Paul's face and the band's face, giving them goofy haircuts and outfits. Um, but if anyone's wondering why this video has two directors, basically the original footage was taken from the Put It There documentary. Uh, check out my episode with Andrew Dixon if you haven't already. But yeah, they basically just took Jeff Wanfor's original footage and recut it and animated over it. Ed... What's your take on this one? Uh, I like the original footage. It's uh, kind of cute. And, you know, the, the band making goofy faces. And, uh, well, you talk about Paul looking for young ladies to, uh, to join him and Linda backstage. Uh, well, I think I get that kind of vibe from it. It's that kind of partying that Paul's talking about here. It's like, uh, party! <laughs> well, it's like that... Uh, it's like that parody video, the the, the Ringo's memories, where where the wonderful Christmas time is uh, uh, transmogrified into what sexual Christmas time or, or something, a sexy Christmas time, uh, which is really really funny. But that's what this video reminds me of. I don't know if you've ever seen that that, that comedy clip. I'm gonna have to type that that one in as well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll have to look that one up as well. I've got a lot of homework today, folks. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, the, you know, it, Peter Serafinowicz or, or one of those. But anyway, one of those British comedians who does Beatles. Uh, oh, no, because obviously Peter Serafinowicz was going to voice Paul in the um, failed Yellow Submarine remake that never happened. Uh, he definitely does some good Beatles impressions. Simon, Simon Pegg does a few good ones as well. Um, on to the video, though. For me, Ed... You can tell that this wasn't meant for wide release. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, this was just a bit of something, you know, maybe somebody asked for a clip for it and it's like, well, what can we do? Oh, well, we got this stuff. Here, we'll, we'll scribble on top of it. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, 
the editing's all off. I mean, the first third is animation with a couple of doodles over the live action. Then the middle third is all live action with no animation whatsoever. And then the last third is back to the animation. And I kind of wanted the whole thing to be the live action with the doodles. And I'm not sure if that would have been too difficult to like rotoscope maybe, but it, it feels very disjointed and inconsistent. And the best parts of the video with, um, uh, you know, the doodles of Paul and, you know, getting a silly haircut and glasses and an arrow through his head and stuff. That makes up about 20 seconds out of a five and a half minute video. And, you know, maybe it was too expensive or time consuming or too complicated, but I wish they would have just either just released the live clip from, uh, from Put It There and just left it as is, or put a little bit more effort in because it, it basically just comes off as something slapdash, like you say, they needed it at the time. What what can we do? Oh, we've already got this footage. Let's do something with it. Uh, at, you know, at least it's bright and colourful, which does offset the dull brown live action footage. And the art style, to its credit, I did enjoy how childishly creative it was, how rough it was, and there's all these immature squiggles and crossings out and stuff like that. But... It felt like a very cheap version of the uh, Once Upon a Long Ago video with all those artistic cartoons and stuff. It's like, oh, you know, we, we, we know how to use this effect. Let's repeat it. And because of that, it does just feel like a, at least 50% of a massive letdown, you know? Yeah, the, the closest thing I could think of uh, that people might be familiar with is uh, uh, John Madden, the, the football commentator and i mean you know, it's now commonplace everywhere his big thing was he would go up on the screen and, and diagram plays as they were going on it's the same sort of animation <laughs> i knew exactly what you <laughs> that's funny it is oh my god uh yeah party party folks uh bad song bad video i'm, I'm afraid uh so at least it's consistent at least it's consistent <laughs> And then that is followed by a bunch of live videos. We're not really going to go into all of them, but we'll talk about a couple of them. Yeah, because, so you know, we're, we're kind of moving off of flowers into the the whole tripping era. Yeah, so like you had the Lennon medley, Hey Jude, I saw her standing there, The Long and Winding Road, Band on the Run, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That's an awful lot of stuff to uh, release on the public at this time, but, you know, it would mostly just be me saying it's live footage. Oh, look how bad, you know, Paul's shirt is. So I didn't want to just repeat myself over and over again. Um, uh, although we, we can we can mention that the the Lennon medley, uh, what was it? It's, uh, it's help. It's uh, give peace a chance, and it's strawberry fields forever. That was done in Liverpool. Yes. Done, yeah. So I mean. You know, that was live in Liverpool, and, and that was really nice. Uh, it was part of the, um, I don't know where, how it aired over on your side of the pond. Here it aired on the Disney Channel as part of this ongoing series that they called Going Home. Oh, okay. That's where you would show artists returning to home, wherever home might be for a concert. And Ringo also did one in Liverpool. Interesting. It was really pretty funny. So yeah, back on to actual music videos. Uh, we have two here. I thought we'd just kind of collate these next two together because they're basically almost identical. Uh, we have the two music videos for Put It There, both of which are directed by Neil Mackenzie Matthews. 
version one it has an incredibly simple concept to it it's footage of paul on his acoustic guitar doing the chords and not the plucking which i thought was very strange um and it's all intercut with a series of quick vignettes of fathers and sons doing father and son coming of age kind of situations you know fixing a bike both reading the paper shaving together teaching the son how to play the trumpet or swimming bedtime stories play fighting and even a bit of soccer to my American fans. It's football! Um, the most notable aspect about this video, though, is the whole thing presented in this light blue filter, which makes it kind of black and whitish, but it's a lot softer, the effect. And, um, yeah, it's just full of Paul McCartney sentimentality. Was that something you responded to, Ed? Uh, well, yeah, I liked it. I mean, you know, I, I will go for Paul quoting his dad, you know, do it now, put it there. It's like, okay, yeah, that, that's really kind of kind of fun, especially when you realize that, well, James was at exactly that age where Paul was the one passing on these bits of wisdom to, to who, the younger generation. And there's even a, a little cameo from a young James McCartney as well. There's a, a very touching photo towards the end of a young James applying what I assume is Paul's clown makeup for the Say, Say, Say music video? Yeah, that would be my guess. Or it may have been left over. I mean, the other time Paul dressed up that well, there was Broad Street, of course, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where he was in the pancake. And then before that, uh, they did all go, they did go all clown for Mardi Gras, but that was pre-James. Yeah, uh, it, it must because like, you know that video, my t these tears ain't drying, and they yeah. do that. It's got to be that bit. It really does, but um, yeah, it's it's it, it it's hard not to choke up with this video. Really, it's it's very simple. It's very effective. It goes for the gut. It goes for the heartstrings, and you know. Whereas with another video later on, I'm going to call it out for having too simple an idea. This one succeeds because the idea is really simple. The song's about dads. The video is about dads and it all just blends effortlessly. It's not complicated by any means. They really could have upped the melodrama of the whole thing, but it's actually quite grounded and realistic. It's not people you know, going, whoa, in the video. It's just like a dad smiling at his son while shaving or something. It's very touching. And obviously there's a whole lot of shaking hands as well because they are literally putting it there, as it yeah. were. Um, yeah, it, it really is quite adorable, actually. It's lovely. Um, I mean, it's, well, and it's what I was saying to you earlier. You know, Paul was really leaning into the dad thing in during the Flowers era. You know, more than he was, well, I mean, it, before it had been girls. This was his first boy. So, you know, probably meant a little bit more to him to have a boy growing up 
and going through these sorts of uh, pre-teenage things. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. he got past the toddler stage and he was actually turning into a young man at that point in time. Though that doesn't mean to say Paul wasn't equally as dedicated with the, with the girls because oh, I mean, of course, but it's at- different. I mean, you know, with, yeah. whether, whether or not you have kids, you know that it's a little bit. You're part. You're you're passing on secondhand knowledge if you're passing it on to an opposite gender child. Mm-hmm. No, you know? you know, I mean, just just look at Paul in the Get Back with Heather, the way he's just chucking her up. You know, oh, I was crying my heart out and I thought it was absolutely beautiful and then you've got that song fairy tale from 78 with uh, Heather and Stella and he's just doing like a little uh, bedtime story for them and they're like singing along with him he's clearly such a fucking awesome dad oh, oh absolutely uh, although the uh, what I said in, in our own show and I still believe it the difference between 1969 and 2021 well now 2022 if any dad were to throw his daughter up in a low ceiling room like that for child protective services would be in there in two minutes. <laughs> like, no, you can't do that. She's going to bump her head on the ceiling and you do it one more time. We're going to take her away. Oh, well, you know, if John can get his daughter back from <laughs> child protective services, uh, you know, if, if, he, if, he, if he can keep Kyoko, I can, I can keep Heather. You know? <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, no, uh, Agreed. This is it, it's a great song. It's uh, a really sort of heartwarming video, and, and it's where Paul was at at that point in time. It also benefits from being really short as well. Like this is a video that doesn't outstay its welcome. If it was five minutes of this kind of shtick, it, it would might be too great. Much, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's barely two minutes long. Put it put it there. Like it's in and out, and you know you are left going oh. My heartstrings have been plucked from my chest. Um, we've also got a second variation, though, and it seems to exist as a backup in case Paul didn't like the vignettes from the first one. And, of course, he would like the alternative version because it's just him. In all seriousness, this one is made up just entirely from the guitar footage from the first one, and it doesn't cut away to anything else. Though in this one, it's not blue. It's got more of a sepia kind of... Uh, you know, 1930s uh, feel to it, probably to you know, big up the sentimentality. You know, uh, harken to the 30s when Jim Mack and his band were going were going along. But um, do you do you get any enjoyment out of this variant, or is it just a curiosity to add to the list for you? It's a curiosity, although I'm glad uh, it exists. It's nice to see his fingers reasonably up close to see how he's playing the song exactly. Um, of course, it's still very much a rarity. It's not on the Flowers box set. So, I mean, you know, people may have a little bit of a hard time getting a hold of this clip. It wouldn't be a McCartney archive release if something key wasn't missing from it, though. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's what makes them what they are. It's what, it's what makes it Paul. I mean, I guess, like again, since it is so short, you could argue that if there was going to be any track from this album that was going to have a video of just Paul sitting with his guitar, it would probably, yeah, yeah, this would be it. I wonder if there's any significance to the fact that it's just Paul's solo as well. Like, I mean, more likely than not, it's just, it's cheaper to produce it with Paul. You don't have to pay Hamish and the other guitarists who do appear on this track or like, you know, uh, Chris Whitten does the the, uh, percussion for it as well. 
keeping them out keeps costs low. But maybe it also points to the fact that this might be, you know, one of the ones where there was no input from the rest of the band. This is a song that Paul wrote on his own. There was no collaboration whatsoever. It's a pure McCartney track. And maybe he's just ref um, reflecting that a little as well. I mean, there's not even a Linda cameo in this. Yeah, exactly. You know, so... Yeah, no, I, th I think it's just, here's the clip. Enjoy. Yeah. But, or, or don't, since you probably won't be able to see it unless you search a little bit. It's on YouTube, folks. You can find it on YouTube uh, before they take it down, uh, after this episode goes out. Um, also, rather interestingly, um, the guy who shot both of, the, of these videos was a photographer by trade and not a prolific uh, producer at all, probably just one of McCartney's friends. And... His only other credit as a director for a video was another one we'll be talking about shortly. But pressing ever onwards, we have the video for a song that I'm very much looking forward to because it means at least I'll be able to give a passing mention to the Phil Ramone sessions. This is We Got Married, directed by Aubrey Powell. Going fast coming soon we made love in the afternoon found a flat after that we got married working hard for the dream scoring goals for the other team times were bad we were glad we got married other when you find a meeting of the minds it's just as well love was all we ever wanted it was all we ever had uh, for anyone who recognizes the name of that director he was the artistic designer and director of the 1989 World Tour, the 1993 New World Tour. He directed the From Rio to Liverpool documentary, for Channel 4 here in the UK, and the Moving On Behind the Scenes special, um, which we mentioned during the uh, Party Party discussion. Um, with this video, we go back to the standard format of live concert intercut with pre-recorded close-up stuff, but... The only, well, I mean, the only real difference is, is that you've got Paul in a black and red shirt here, and Linda's got a red coat on. But rather than just shots of the wider crowd, we get a healthy dollop of uh, close-ups and the shots of Paul and Linda arriving at the stadium earlier in the day. And, you you know, can't see him, but Lonnie's in that crowd, by the way. Lonnie Penny is in that crowd. Lonnie oh, my Penny. God! Oh my God. Lonnie, Lonnie actually flew out for the for the uh, the first three nights of the McCartney tour when he hit the U.S. back in 1989. And this is at the L.A. Forum, if at I'm the L.A. Forum, yep. Yeah. Now, I mean, the best bit about this video is the trivia about where that footage comes from, because the the shots of them arriving at the L.A. Forum turns out were actually originally shot for Visa commercials. Correct. Uh, which is insane like i know that the tour is expensive but i didn't know he had, he had, he had to sell out this badly well um, the, so the, the deal was uh paul agreed for visa to sponsor the tour and again he was following ringo's lead because 
uh, the previous Ringo tour has been sponsored by the Discover card. <laughs> well, actually, it's the next Ringo tour. Okay, other way around. The next Ringo tour will be sponsored by the Discover card because that one would be circa anthology. What? Because there are those there were anthology commercials with Ringo, or there were Ringo commercials for Discover during anthology. Right, that's a bit, that's interesting. But uh, um. but yeah, so but Paul actually cut a deal with them. It's like, look, I'm never going to say anything about your credit card. You can use clips of it, and uh, the tagline was Visa. It's everywhere you want to be. <laughs> so you know, so you got you got you got clips of them. Uh, you got very brief. Uh, stadium clips. You got clips of them arriving, and you know that all that sort of various footage. Uh, but he, nowhere is he talking about. I want you to get a Visa card. Imagine Paul being like, "Yeah, get your Visa card today." <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, uh, there's got to be a good Visa pun, and I will think of it before this episode is over. Uh, he, he's, he, he's a she. Visa woman. <laughs> uh, he, he was spending too much time with the blotto guys. Yeah. <laughs> my card don't give me presents. Yeah. Oh but, my uh, gosh. <laughs> I, I, I know Paul's not a peasant with Visa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's where that where those crowd shots were done. It, uh, that was a wild crowd. I mean, Lonnie's told me those stories on, on any number of occasions. But uh, as you would expect, this was the first time Paul was back in the States since 1976. Yeah, and it's crazy how he's getting in with the crowd as well. Like, I would have thought at this time, especially in America, he would have a bit of a hands-off approach to getting in and mucking in with the crowd. But he's still McCartney at the end of the day. He's still the great showman. And he can't he he can't help himself. And who wouldn't want to have people screaming at them for at least a couple of minutes a day? You know, <laughs> why not court it a little? You know, when the king would do his procession through the village, like, <laughs> hello plebs, hello peasants, hello yes, yes, very very good, very good. Um, besides that, though, is this video a little bit too similar to Figure of Eight, or is there enough variation for it to how kind much, of hold your how interest? can you get in any live video you know yes the thing especially when he wears the same costumes as well uh it's uh i guess there's a little more of a personal feel because they do focus more on faces yeah uh, like crowd crowd faces and that 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 does work i also love that shot of hamish with his mandolin at the start like holding it up like that ding 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 yeah also would you notice Paul on camera? He if he if he's not playing the bass with his right hand, he has to do little hand gestures. Like he'll, you know, if he says you, he'll always point at someone in the crowd or he'll point at himself or pump his fist up. And it's like, Paul, just shuffle a bit now. You, you don't have to do all these oh, weird hand signals like you're directing traffic in New York or something. Well, which um, which uh, which allows me to bring up the PS Love Me Do clip is the clip where Paul has no instrument in his hand. Oh, he it's does not know. Paul he singing. You know, you, you you know what? Let's. Uh, I'll go back to the one I was going to talk about next. Let's let's talk about PS Love Me Do. As I write this letter. 
idea who directed this because there's no information that I could find online who directed or edited the PS Love Me video. I've checked multiple websites, got nothing. Um, I'm not sure, uh, to be honest with you. But yeah, folks, this is obviously, of course, the live performance of PS Love Me Do. I believe this is the uh, the audio. Well, actually, okay, something really cool. Uh, the audio comes from one live performance of the song, but the video itself, thanks to a blog called the Daily Beatles blog, which uh, Ed pointed me towards uh, when we started this video. Turns out there's four concerts that this footage is made up from. You've got March 31st, Berkeley. You've got uh, April 4th, um, uh, the AZ Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, Tempe, is that? Tempe, um, Arizona, yep. Arizona. You've got April 14th, Miami. And April 21st, Rio de Janeiro at the uh, Maracana Stadium. And... That sounds really cool. You know, I like the idea that uh, you've got these new Beatles fanatics pointing out that, you know, the shot of the Union Jack draped over the piano had to be from the Miami gig because that was the only time where, they were, where, where that happened. And uh, the close-ups have to be from the California gig because Paul's top button was undone and his top button wasn't undone in the other ones. And the Arizona stuff has a slightly different black and white striped shirt. So that's where that comes from. And, the big crowd shots that show 180,000 people, obviously they have to come from the Rio stuff. And it's interesting that such a big song needed so much footage to convey uh, its majesty, shall we say. But yeah, the big problem here is, folks, is that it's synced terribly. It is synced, so, like, you know, there's a couple of bits in Get Back where the mouths don't quite match, but the rest of the movie's so well done that you kind of forgive it. Imagine if the entire movie didn't sync up. So it's like, as I write this letter. And then after, then after that, it'll be bits where Paul's just standing there and he's meant to be singing, bits where he's singing, when he's not singing. Uh, the the drums never hit at the right point. Hamish and uh, and um, Robbie just seem to be fla like wildly flailing when nothing's happening. It is, it is just all over the place. Uh, the shots feel random. There's no flow to anything in the editing. And, you know, I was kind of hoping that this video would be this bad because it would mean that I wouldn't have to say anything positive about the song. <laughs> I still well, feel that way. Now you get into the song, or rather the medley, uh, there's a reason why no one ever talks about this song. Because it's awful? Well, I mean, <laughs> the parts aren't that bad. I mean... So Paul, Paul owned Love Me Do and PSI Love You. So he said, okay, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that these are the only two Beatles songs I saw own at the time. Although, just as an aside, MPL is now listed as the owner of record for everything up through 65. Okay. So if, you, the, if you watch and get back, you know, like help is now listed as being administered by MPL. It's like, oh. So that did actually change. But mm. whatever that whatever lawsuit that was, McCartney is now the one who's dealing with the uh, song copyrights for everything up through 65. Yeah. And presumably as, as each year passes, the rest of the Beatles catalog, his half will go to him. Oh, and NPL um, will be the, the administrator of records since Yoko's all, Yoko cut a deal with Sony so that then 
gets to go to MPL. I mean, hopefully Paul will return It's Only a Northern Song to Harris Songs, because for some reason that, that, hopefully. that went to Northern Songs for some reason in a weird, ironic twist. But um, yeah. because, it was written, because it was written before Harris Songs was found and they actually did the copyright on it when it was still going to be a Pepper song. Right, right. Oh. Like, again, going back to Get Back, you know that bit when they showed the full Beatles copyright? Like, yeah. all the songs that they have, and it's, like, titles that you've never fucking heard of before. Like, what is that? And then George and Ringo make that quip, like, do you want to see what you own half a percent of? <laughs> but, uh, uh, nobody loves a fairy when they're 40. It's like, that doesn't mean the same thing in 22, 2022 that it met in 1969 or 1949, does it? No. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, so so back to this clip. Paul, at the time, because Paul had bought uh, Beachwood from EMI, he owned Love Me Do and P.S. I Love You because that was before Northern Songs or Len Mac or the, the various Lennon-McCartney companies would be founded with Dick James. So that was why he decided to record these two songs or, or come up with this medley. Uh, the reason it exists as a video was he had put it together for uh, Lennon A Tribute, which was a Liverpool thing for John Lennon. And I suppose what they thought at the time was, oh, well, it's going to be shown once uh, on the screen <laughs> at this Liverpool concert. And, and then someone later got the bright idea. Well, the concert would then be released on video. But beyond that, someone in MPL got the bright idea. Well, we've got this clip already. Why don't we release it? And then again, it didn't get wide airplay, but it, it did get some airplay. And it did certainly show up again in those McCartney weekends like we were talking about. Not for anyone's benefit. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is clearly more one of those ones that's more interesting and more useful as uh, a time capsule and as a piece yes. of trivia. Uh, it's, it's, it's more homework than pleasure watching. Uh, it's, it, uh, syrupy is uh, a generous description of it. Oh, it is molasses-like, this syrup. It's, it's thickened and bitter. You know what? Let's, let's move on to something a little more artistic. Let's talk about the best song from the Flowers in the Dirt sessions. This is Distractions by Jeff Wanford. What is this thing in life That persuades me to spend time away from you? So the music video for this is very simple. It's footage uh, shot with Paul in stark uh, black and white lighting, playing his bass and his acoustic alone in the studio, which is intercut with the studio sessions for the songs, which includes some shots with Paul uh, along with Hamish Stewart and Chris Whitten. 
Um, there's no shots of like the orchestra, sadly, with like um, Claire Fisher and stuff. That would have been nice as well. But yeah. Also, Jeff Wan for that's another name you should know by now. He was the director of much of the Beatles anthology. He also did the videos for Real Love, The World Tonight, Young Boy, and the Cavern Club gig in 99. So there's a lot of Paul McCartney long-lasting relationships that are starting in this 89-90 period. Ed, before I get distracted, what are your thoughts on the video for distractions? Yeah, I kind of wish... I think there was a, there was a story that they'd intended in this clip, but it never really comes through. The, the whole idea of, oh, here's Paul in the studio working so hard, he can't get home to enjoy his family while he's being distracted. And it sort of comes through, but it doesn't really. Mm. You know what? I've always thought that like there should have been some sort of marital-based video with Paul and Linda you know, him trying to get to her, and there's all these distractions and the telephone ringing on the kitchen wall. Yeah. If they'd, if they'd have done something like that, it, it, it probably would have worked, um, especially since it's not, like, live stuff. You could have just cut back to that great bass footage of Paul and, and, and the guitars and the and the studio stuff. But... Yeah, but the band, the band clips are nice, but the, the story bits, it's like, eh, you know, it's one of those that's just a little bit undercooked. Yeah, um, I mean the art like it's very well done for what it is. Like they definitely yeah. try and um, make it as artsy as possible. Like there's uh, some shots of Paul superimposed with two of him on the screen, and it kind of evokes the fact that he's harmonising with himself. I thought that was quite cool. All the blends and the transitions are all very laid back and match the peaceful tone of the music. Again, some stark contrast lighting here that creates some nice dynamic imagery. Um, I'm always a sucker for studio session footage. I just am. It's always fun. Uh, you know, like uh, the video for It's Not On, just seeing Paul and George Martin just working yeah. on it. I love, I love that crap. What I also liked as well, we got some good technical footage of Paul playing the bass. Just lots of shots of seeing his fingers moving and yeah, again, you know, you, you got to love any time you get any of that. Uh, another one of those, geez, that's why I'm so glad that we get we get some really nice close-ups that we get back of seeing how Paul can play. Yeah, it's very it's very rare. He never really frames himself as, you know, like, again, going back to November Rain, that shot of Slash outside the church doing the solo. Yeah. yeah you, you, you never get that. He's never... I guess it's not confidence, but he's never had the bravado to kind of do that. And I'm glad that in a more laid back and reserved video like this, you kind of get to see how deceptively complex the, the parts are and how it all comes together to make this quite intricate song. But correct me if I'm wrong here, Ed, this video has a completely unique mix of the music. It's not you the one from are, the album at all. Yeah. You are correct. Um, I, I mean, all I can notice is that the bass is turned up to 11 on this one. Like it's, it's really turned up. Uh, the orchestrations are brought down, which I thought was an interesting choice because I know that was probably Paul's favourite part of this song. But um, not only have we got variations on the mixes, on the singles and the albums, we've got variations of the videos. We've got variant mixes in the variant videos now. It's get, The layers are just getting so, so deep here. But, 
you don't really see that any any, any anymore. Like the mo- the most you get with like an alternate cut or mix in a music video is when they add like diegetic sound or like you know stuff happening in the music video playing over the song. But this is just another mix that they cooked up. So I thought that was quite interesting. Well, yeah, they just didn't know what they were going to do with it. I mean, you know, and, and some of this footage is even from the Put It There special, so. Yes. So, you know, but, okay, it's fun. It's cool. No, um, I was... I'm glad it exists. Although, <laughs> although we are closing on a couple of... This is really three pretty downbeat videos we're closing on here. Well, uh, well first of all, we're going to talk uh, about the return of Neil Mackenzie Matthews. Uh, this is a Beatles song, Ed. We actually get oh, to okay. some I always forget which which live uh, ones you want to cover and which ones you don't because we've established you're pretty much sick of the live stuff. Yeah. Well, th- well, fortunately, this one's not just live stuff. Uh, this is birthday, of course. thumbnail you would be forgiven for thinking that this was another live concert video it's just Paul going like like that but like we got married it does have something to cut away to but instead of cutting 20 feet to outside the venue we actually get a little B plot no prizes for guessing what it is it's birthday themed we get a series of chronological birthdays in a young man's life first birthdays being born mom and dad putting food into their face from their first birthday you get a kid's birthday party a young man with a woman coming out of a cake, which felt very magical mystery to a stripper sleazy-esque. Uh, um, there's a, a, a youngish night out at a rave, him getting a car, a comedic middle-aged segment, and then a very comedic old-aged segment. Ed, I really didn't vibe with this one at all. Um, I mean, it should, it barely even really should have been a single in the first place, let alone a single with an accompanying music video. But, yeah, it was something, you know, they had to release something from Tripping. Uh, the the best thing about the birthday sick, uh, the birthday single, the 12-inch has McCartney wearing a Dallas Cowboys jersey on the cover, which, while, while I'm not a Cowboys fan, it's like, Texas, yeah! But uh, other than that, yeah, the, the clips inside, I say leave them rather than take them. They remind me of a bad version of what McCartney likes to do for his videos these days, you know. Oh boy, we're going to put together a story. And we're going to have actors who maybe or kind of sort of can act. Oh, no. It, the acting in this is so over the top. And 
it's it just the, the the artificiality of the whole thing just completely breaks my suspension of disbelief to no end. And I know I'm being a bit of a spoil sport sourpuss here, but I really don't care. Um, you know, we, it would be better off if we just skip this and say, "Oh, this is you know, this is a live clip." But yeah, I, I, you know that shows that shows you how much uh, I cared and remembered for it. I watched it yesterday, and the uh, all the acty bits have completely disappeared out of my mind. I, I think it may have been <laughs> it may have been uh, tied into the what he was doing on stage with Birthday at the time. Because, I mean, there was the big video screen and things were shown behind them. And I, and I don't remember what clips he had behind him, but it, it sounds very 89-90 McCartney tour that he would have had that video playing while the band was playing the song. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing just feels like, you know, you've got a boardroom of creatives paid by McCartney. What's the song called? Birthday. Oh, I know. We'll just have a bunch of birthdays in it. And it's like, that's a first draft idea. And not only is it a first draft idea, the execution's poor, the costumes are naff. You know, you get some real shockingly 90s, like bucket hats and beige berets in this. It's very dated indeed. The party then, Party clip would have been better served by showing up here than it did behind Party Party really would have it really would have um although one of the versions of this is called the party version um the one with the inserts of all these little birthday vignettes apparently there's a version which is just the live footage and the close-ups i haven't been able to find that one online um does exist apparently and of course there's also a cropped version for the mccartney years dvd as per all of these um yeah as far as i'm concerned ed this one is a massive failure i didn't like it we're, we're, we're agreed it's the mess if, if you want to if you want to look at the bottom of the live mccartney clips from this time uh ps love me do ranks above it which is about all you have to say yeah and at least ps love me do is interesting in terms of its editing at least there's something to explore there and uh, <laughs> work out this little mystery and uh, the final two we're going to look at today we're going to collate these as well um, they're both very much the same with slight variations is all my trials which funny enough and i actually have on my desk here with me uh, right now uh, yeah, the, got the seven inch the vinyl that's the vinyl yeah i've got the cds over there so Only one thing that money can't buy True love that will never die oh, no, no. All my trials, these two together is well 
Basically, the reason I did it for, for I put it there. There are two versions, with one being an uncut version of the other. The first version is sequences of Paul and the band interspersed with a bunch of archival footage, which can be best summed up as, like, slice-of-life scenarios. You've got kids playing in the street, people at football games, but there's a particular focus on run-down buildings, people in the streets, people going through their own trials, if you will, like poverty, old age, being at the hospital, even homelessness. And then the second version of the video is the conceptual cut, and it's basically just the archival footage with Paul and the band removed. Both versions are shot entirely in black and white. And I've got to say, Ed, I think both of these videos are very good, and each one has merits over the other. And I like them both equally for for what they do. Uh, you've got the conceptual one, just all archival footage. And there's just something about all of that footage with this particular song that is very emotive for me. I feel like it generated a lot of feelings that I didn't really expect going into a video like this. It's very ambiguous. You can apply what kind of ever meaning you want to it. When I was at university, I did something similar where I took a bunch of footage of Wolverhampton and put um, Let's Clean Up the Ghetto over it. And suddenly the images and the song started making all these you know, synapse connections in your brain. I was like, oh, I kind of did something like that. So that was very, very fun for me. But since it doesn't cut back to Paul, you can immerse yourself in the imagery and really take it all in. Then you've got the version with Paul and the shots of the band. And I think the reason this works so well is that visually it just matches the archival stuff and the way it's edited together. It's all shot at the Thames water pumping station in London. It's a very dank industrial style setting. And Although it looks really cool. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. It's almost like it's in like a sci-fi music video, but it, it, it does kind of connect with the derelict buildings and the footage and the kind of downtrodden, wet, rainy nature of it all. It's got the same high contrast fuzzy look as the film grain. It's nice and gritty. And it's got all the nice movements and the blends, almost a bit like free as a bird. It's got those nice sweeps. I think both are, both are really good. Well, I will disagree. Uh, I just didn't care for the conceptual version uh, at all. I mean, Too uh, maybe, maybe I'm hard-hearted, but it, it felt to me like one of those public service advertisements. It's like, oh, help the homeless. It's like, uh, and then the shame is I really like the song. This is an old <laughs> folk song, you know. Um, and incidentally, at the time, it was very difficult to find here in the States. Uh, it was what? On the British version of Tripping Highlights and on the singles. And that's, it was never released here in the States. Wow. How, uh... Because, because, because I tracked down the singles, <laughs> and then I also had to track down the British tripping highlights disc because just because of the uh, separate track list. No, I remember that actually. It was the only reason to buy the highlights if you'd already bought the main album. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that, that's like modern McCartney kind of market uh, marketing. That is so uh, very good to pull there. Um, did you did you think that the two girls towards the end of this video were meant to be? prostitutes because it, uh, it was a weird image for me to see these two kind of it, it, it was implied it, he didn't come right out and say it uh but the the first one i like a lot more although i'm still not real thrilled with the clips i mean 
know, Paul's done this sort of thing before. Uh, I'm thinking of the, the various jail footage that went into, oh, which clip was that? Um, oh, um, it's from the last about, one we did. Uh, yeah, in the last show, there was a, uh, it was it was Paul and it was intercut with uh, the footage of the guy in jail. Oh, Paul McCartney, jail music video. Oh my God, I'm, I I am stalling. I'm stalling for time. No, it's all stuff about the Japanese bust. I'm gonna have to go to the notes for the for the last one. Ed Chen, part five. There we go. I'll quickly scroll through. Man looks up something on internet. Ah, uh, uh, this makes this makes for great podcasting content. Yeah, it's not No More Lonely Nights. It's not We All Stand Together. It's not Spies Like Us. It's not Press. It's not Stranglehold. It's not Pretty Little Head. But you know, I didn't make just make this up. No, was it? Is is it even further back than that? Is it? Is is it? Is it the first episode we did? My gosh. Uh, Keep listening, folks. Uh, <laughs> we will. We will so, find anyway, so uh, uh, it reminded me a bit of that. Uh, I really like the band footage. I would have liked to have seen a third version, which is just the band. To be honest yeah. with you, uh, you know, we we were talking about this earlier that Paul liked to sort of put together and release. If he had extra footage, oh, let's just do a version which is just us. I would have liked to have seen that in this set. You know, nothing but a straight performance clip. No, uh, and you're right. The the environment that that one was shot in would have been interesting enough to sustain a video, especially with that bright, contrasting lighting as well. It def- it definitely could have it definitely could have could have worked. But um, I mean, I I think I like these ones a, a lot more than you, Ed. Uh, I thought they were quite artistic. May maybe they're a bit pretentious compared to the average McCartney video. But the guy who directed this, Nigel Dick is incredibly prolific. Uh, he did Do They Know It's Christmas uh, by Band-Aid. He had Welcome to the Jungle and Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. Everybody Wants to Rule the World for Tears for Fears. And then after this, he went on to do Wonderwall for Oasis. He did Believe for Cher and Baby One More Time for Britney Spears. So this guy <laughs> had a fucking career. Um he was he was definitely pushing pushing the boat. Sadly, now he mostly just does videos for Nickelback. So I guess we've all just got to start collecting the paycheck. At some <laughs> so you know, um, I will say yes to the yes to the first clip and no to the second. Although I can see why people might appreciate it. I you know it it just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, you know, PSA level editing. Uh, the other thing it reminds me of is is here in the states we have these uh, uh, ASPCA commercials, the the American Society for the Protection of Animals or something, where where they show these sick and uh, unwell kittens and puppies, and it's like, won't you please give a dollar to help save? And it's like, <laughs> you know, that, that just takes me right to that space. If you donate one dollar a month. Paul McCartney will promise not to release P.S. Love Me Do in the scene. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, great, it's there, but... Uh, Adopt a Beatle today. <laughs> well, they were selling one at Sotheby's back in the era, weren't they? Excellent. 
And I think, Ed, that brings us to the end of this run of uh, this era of music videos. After this, it's going to be off-the-ground material, which I'm certainly looking looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. Without, without spoiling too much, I love the off-the-ground clip. Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's cheesy, but it's fun. Uh, all right. Ed, thank you so much for doing this with, with, with me, man. I think we've gone through some pretty good music videos, some pretty interesting music videos, and even a couple of pretty bad music videos. So a nice spread, as always. Uh, like everything in McCartney's career, there's a joyful amount of inconsistency in the final product. Before um, we go... Uh, Ebony and Ivory Solo, that's the one I was thinking of. Eh, that's, that was two episodes ago then, yeah. Oh my gosh, I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah this, this clip reminds me of that, where you, except you get, you actually get some Paul in there. It reminds me of the first one of these All My Trials clips, because you do get Paul intercut inter with this uh, with people of color as they get harassed by cops and thrown in jail. At least it's not the Michael Jackson alternate music video for They Don't Really Care About Us, where it's him and a bunch of prisoners dancing in a, in a, a prison mess hall. Very strange video, that one. Um, I think that might be the first alternative music video I ever encountered, because as a kid, my sister had the His Story box set. So she had all okay. the music videos. And I knew the, the Brazilian one, where it's him and all the... Brazilian drummers out in like Rio doing all the dancing with they don't really care about us. And I was like, what's this prison one? That's cool. <laughs> so, okay, uh, on with the closing. Yeah, look, I've been Sam Wells. He's been Ed Chen from the fabulous When They Was Fab pod podcast. Ed, have you got stuff coming up soon for that? Oh, well, you got lots of stuff. We've got Ken Womack uh, coming soon because, well, John Stone firmly believes that George Martin actually produced Get Back from what we see in the film. And so we're going to get Ken on to talk about, well, here's what actually happened from my point of view. Uh, and then we're, we're also lining up uh, Jim Roberts. Uh, I don't know if you've read Fab Fools, uh, The History of the Beatles and Comedy. Great book. And it also includes the complete history of the Ruddles in there. That sounds very interesting. I cannot so, wait so for both of those. Both of those will be on their way uh, in the next month or so, along with more Get Back coverage as we uh, get into the release. Are you are you going to get the IMAX release there? Are you going to be able to go and see it, or are you be working that night? I'm, even if I could go see it, I wouldn't be that interested, if I'm honest. Uh, Fair I enough. Mean, I mean, do, do I want to go pay premium cinema price to watch 58 minutes of footage that I've already seen before? Not particularly. Fair enough, Not particularly. fair enough. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it in IMAX and, see, and hearing it remixed for full Atmos. But uh, Oh, look, uh, Ed, you are talking to a guy who cannot tell the differences with any remix or remastering, so it would except offer me... Except for the one in this show. Yeah, it would it would not offer me anything at all. I'd be like, okay. oh, oh, that bass is slightly higher. I can slightly hear that hi hat more. Here's my ten pounds. Here's my twenty dollars. Take my fair money. enough. So so then uh, so that that's what we got coming up short term. And then as noted, you know we're we're gonna get the uh, sometime in New York City box this year, and we'll do our usual thing uh, a disc a week until we run out of discs. No, your best one you've done with that was the Flaming Pie box set. I was gripped and I waited till they were all out. 
And then I went on this four-hour bike ride and just binged like the whole thing. That <laughs> was a very good day. That was still back when I was smoking as well. So I remember just being on another plane of existence, just, just you and Lonnie. Um, I think that was before Ethan's brief cameo stint on the show as well. It was it was, it was was glorious. You know, I love your podcast, man. I, I always like checking it out when I've got a spare moment. I love having you on here as my music video expert. There's no one else I'd rather do it with. Thank you for coming on. And I, I would be I would be happy to to do the rock band show with you, by the way. Um, I think I've technically already reviewed that for my oh, film. Okay, all series. right. Whatever. Um, hey, you know, maybe we could watch it online together and do a commentary or something. Oh, well, we could we could do that as well. You know, I've been looking at doing some commentary stuff, you know, like what could do one for Bruce McMouse as well. Um Maybe even watch Broad Street together and just talk over it, and uh, maybe maybe that'll include it as a bonus feature on the Blu-ray one day. Well, then, then we're then we're gonna sit here arguing for ninety minutes. What yeah. do you mean? That's brilliant. No, actually, it's not brilliant, but but it does have enough good scenes in it. Except for the Eleanor's Dream, but you like the Eleanor's Dream sequence. I love that sequence. It's, a, it's the one thing that all the super fans that love Broad Street decry. And, and, I, and I'm sat here as someone who only likes it ironically. And I'm like, that's the coolest stuff in the movie. That's where 98% of the budget went. You know, Paul and his costumes and these, you know, this huge, like Oliver Twist style set that was clearly borrowed from some other production. Um, there was there was a lot of wing in it with that movie. No pun intended. Bring this back to the this to the this one clip where we'll leave you with that thought. Yeah, uh, we will. I will leave you with the thought of these giant eyes over Paul's face <laughs> and Linda's eyes being superimposed and her mouth being superimposed like she's the annoying orange or something like that. Some of the horrible internet meme, uh, folks. I've been Sam Wells. This has been another episode of Paul. I think you've been Ed Chen from the. Fabulous when we have had a podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm sure Debbie Lane will be playing this out by now. Peace and love, peace and love. Keep listening to Paul. Keep listening to Beatles. No more autographs. Now, this latest single of yours, it's a bit of a storm in a teacup over this, isn't it? Yes, it, beca- it became like a sort of political thing. Yeah. In actual fact, we just started off like liking the song, and then we put a video to it, but it suddenly seemed to have a more powerful message because we used things like homeless people and NHS closures, stuff like that uh, in the video to uh, show the trials. And then the timing was right when Maggie got dumped. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. <laughs> uh, which we couldn't have possibly known about. As you know, you know, you plan these things weeks in advance. So uh, the left-wing newspaper got hold of it and ran it, and then the right-wing newspaper countered it, and then Dr. Jonathan King climbed aboard, and uh, it was all hell broke loose. Does that make you feel, I wonder why you bother? No, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Was that a flash of... 
<laughs> that was a flash of the wheel there, wasn't there's it? There's a bit of wit there, I think. Yeah. Oh, no. No. Um, Not here. It's funny, you know, some people said to me, look, you've got a lot of money, This you're disqualified from talking about the homeless, you know, because you're well off. Which I think is mad, you know. I think, in fact, uh, probably the more money you've got, the more you've got to talk about the homeless, I would have thought. Yeah, but money, of course, is not the answer, is it? Flinging money at it. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, uh, flinging a little bit of publicity at it, I, I don't think hurts, really, because the, the other alternative is to ignore it. 